0: Welcome to another podcast episode. I'm Catherine Lucadu, and I'm here today with a guest. No, normally I don't have guests on my podcast, but I thought this would be a wonderful addition um, to really engage in a conversation around topics that matter. That's what I like to do. I like to, you know, um, introduce topics, introduce mindset. That's why this is called mindset medicine. Because I think that sometimes we avoid subjects or topics that not everyone is comfortable talking about, or maybe we just haven't sat back and become self-aware of what we're thinking. Sometimes we don't take the time to become self-aware of what's going on within us and around us. So I have a lovely guest today. Her name is Katie Romano. Oh my gosh, I knew I would get this (laughs) wrong. Romaniolo. Romanolo, you got and it. yeah, thank and we're going to be having a conversation about um, things that others may stigmatize
1: that are actually
0: really important surrounding mental health. Yeah. So welcome, Katie. I'm so glad that we were able to connect and do this today.
1: Thank you so much for having me here. I just love your initiative and and what this prod, uh, podcast brings to light.
0: Well, I'm, you know, it's something that I started just because I thought that. I needed to move away from all the training all the time, you know, training and teaching and everything, and it's all focused on business and success and so on, but what so many people don't realize is that all of that starts with your mindset, you know, we've been going through some challenging times right now, and I find a lot of people are finding it hard to get back up again and continue on in maybe a new environment. Maybe it's a new virtual environment, but all of that doesn't depend on the training and the skills. It depends on your mindset to get you out of bed in the morning.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's the layers underneath, right? So we show up in our lives as business professionals in one way, but where does all of that actually come from? You know, how is it that one person is able to thrive in a position where there's a lot of, you know, fear and tension and stress happening at home and, you know, outside everywhere in the world and how can one person thrive and manage to seem to be okay and the next person is really, you know, perhaps struggling and maybe hiding that they're struggling because that might not be acceptable for them in their view of what they're going through. Exactly. So tell let's, let's tell everyone a
0: little bit about you. Um, i actually think that we have been in real estate the same amount of time. This will <laughs> be my 12th year as well. So, you know, it was, it was a hard learning curve, I'm sure for you as it was for me, but tell me where you started and how did you end up here where you are today? Cause I think you're on a slightly different, somewhat the same, but slightly different. So tell us a little bit about you.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's been an interesting track. So I started real estate in 2008 in my early 20s, and we were seeing a downturn in the market for uh, 2008 as well. And it was a challenging time, but I had wanted to be a real estate agent, honestly, my entire life. It was one of those things at 16 years old when somebody would ask me out of high school, you know, what are you going into next? And I said, real estate. And I would get this look like, okay, but what are you going to do first? Like, where are you going to go to school first? (laughs) (laughs) And I just couldn't ever see anything else. And um, I grew up in an area that was really, really challenging to be in. It was very low income. There was a lot of crime. And quite frankly, my high school was one of the worst rated high schools um, in the entire city. so where is that
0: that you grew up?
1: Yeah, I grew up in Calgary, Alberta. And uh, it was the the southeast end of the city that there's still quite a lot of challenge there for I have family that still live in the area. I uh, moved when I was 19 years old from there to Toronto, where I started my career shortly after. And I've really lived on my own since I was about 16, just trying to I guess actively get away from what I was involved in back then or what you were kind of forced to be around. Mm -hmm. And I found that throughout my career, you know, I started with a lot of ambition and goals and did the trainings and everything. And then all of a sudden, all of my kind of past trauma and fear and worry and struggle that I had grown up in really hit the wall at a certain point. And I was having. So if
0: I can just stop you for a second, so Mm -hmm. you moved from Calgary to Toronto, right? And you were young and you got into real estate. Tell the listeners, because I know that there's going to be real estate agents who are listening. So before we go on to a little bit further on in your story, what was it like being in a new city as a young agent? Because maybe not everyone would have taken you as seriously as you would have liked. Yeah. So what
1: was that like for you? Oh, it was honestly really disheartening most days. So I did my best to portray the person that I thought I was supposed to be in the industry. I love that
0: word (laughs) that you're supposed to be. Yes. Yes.
1: And, you know, God knows it's different for everyone what we think we're supposed to be. So I, you know, showed up as this professional looking young person, but I remember my very first listing and I was doing an open house and uh, this person walked in with uh, one of their family members and I think it was a first time home buyer and it must have been like a a dad or father figure that came along and I opened the door and greeted them with my enthusiasm and the very first comment that came out of the gentleman's mouth was, is this your father's listing? and i was in shock because you know it was my face on the sign there was no other co-listing person and i just thought wow like what what do i look like to you that i'm not capable to be the person here as the professional and yes. it was very challenging i found that my age really worked against me it still mm-hmm. quite honestly does after 12 years i I've been fortunate to not age too much in terms of you, my I was going to say you still
0: look very young. So <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I so can,
0: I can see that.
1: It's a pro that way, but you know, I still get people where I show up and I'm a broker at this point, I've got a lot of experience. I've been a top producer for 8 years solid and I still get the question first off is how long have you been doing this? Yes. You know, and you know where yeah. that kind of place is coming from. So yes. it was def- definitely challenging to make sure that I was staying out of the weeds with where my mind would go after a comment like that, you know, did it tend to sabotage how I thought about myself? Did I really have what it took is where my mind would immediately go to? What are they Mm -hmm. seeing in me that they're wondering? Why am I not the person that, you know, I'm supposed to be is what kind of circled immediately. Yes. Yes. So, All right. So that you've been doing then real estate
0: for a while. You, I'm sure at some point you found your footings because you managed to become a high producing agent. So what started a path of change for you? When did you realize that, I don't know that this is just what I want to be doing. Maybe I want to start including something
1: else. How did that start and come about? Yeah, it was completely by accident. I feel like sometimes we find our passion in the most backwards and upside yes. down ways. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, about four years ago now, was at a point in my life where, on the surface, somebody looking in would have said, Wow, you have it all. Mm-hmm. You have a great career, a beautiful home, a great husband. I traveled, you know, everything was there that checks the boxes. And what nobody realized, even my family, was that I was dealing with a tremendous amount of anxiety. I would show up to appointments and you know, put on this fake kind of mask of who I thought that person needed to be for that appointment, mm-hmm. and then literally sit in my car on the way home and cry the entire way. And I couldn't really figure out why. I just knew that I felt like garbage each day, and it didn't matter how successful I was in terms of money that was shifting that feeling for me. So, so was
0: it always like that? Did that just sort of come about later on? Did it come it, about as you became better at what you did? When, how can you sort of pinpoint when those feelings or were they just always there?
1: Yeah, I think, well, underneath, I think there was a lot that I had to deal with from my childhood growing up in terms of not feeling worthy of being successful period. Mm-hmm. So you know, unknowingly having that running within my unconscious, what happened was when I hit the peak of my career, where I was doing well, mm-hmm. it all of a sudden triggered that. Well, you don't really deserve this. What What do you think you're doing? Kind of, you know, internal dialogue, right? And I couldn't figure out where it was coming from because I hadn't done enough uh, self discovery or dealing with my past issues. Mm-hmm. And really, I went to a real estate conference in 2017 that really hit home for me where I would have considered that kind of rock bottom emotionally for me at that time. Nobody had any idea. I was kind of forced to go to this conference by my colleagues and I tried to do everything I could to get out of it. And the reason was that inside for me to sit in a room with a bunch of successful professionals in my line of work was the most excruciating thing I could do because I felt so much judgment so much just comparison to others that was running constantly that I didn't so know how to Did show you up.
0: feel that, sorry to interrupt you, mm-hmm. uh, I just, because as you're talking, because we haven't, you know, had any kind of pre-discussion, so, and yeah. this is what I always want to do, is to have a really authentic conversation, because I think as I'm mm-hmm. listening to you for the first time, I can, you know, as my questions are coming up, so was, did you feel that, because everything that you're saying resonates so much with me. I was, mm-hmm. I was very similar to you where I moved up the ranks, let's say in my brokerage very quickly. And I found that really hard because for me, it was the judgment of others and these opinions that were constantly in my ear. And it wasn't even on social media yet. You know, yeah. we, were, we were entering the social media phase, but it really wasn't there. It was more about sort of like office gossip, that used to really bother me. So in your case, is it, you felt like you were being judged or are you judging others who are, who are doing well, or was it maybe a bit of both?
1: Yeah. You know, that's a great question for me. It was more about being around other people that were successful all of a sudden triggered that I thought I didn't actually deserve that same success. Right. And you know, that was rooted very, very heavily and deeply into the surroundings growing up where it was survived for your life, your peers actually meant danger. And there was a lot of gang activity where I grew up. And I tried my best to stay out of um, what everybody else was doing. But as a young person with no real guidance, it's really tough to do. And so when I eventually 10 years later, ended up being at a successful point in my life, I still had that same anchor to you know, my peers meaning danger. So there was this, almost this flip switch that was happening in my mind when I was around other successful people that it, it meant danger. It meant fear. It meant this wasn't who you're supposed to be around. And I Mm -hmm. couldn't make the connection for the longest time. It just showed up as panic attacks.
0: Wow. That's really, really fascinating. So, all right. So we're at 2017 you're at a conference. How are you feeling sitting there? and and what are you doing now so how are you getting through the conference and what's going through your mind because obviously this sort of like a pivoting moment where mm-hmm. likely after that i imagine is when things slowly started to evolve into something different
1: yeah so sitting there was excruciating i was dealing with a lot of physical symptoms of my stress at the time i had a lot of hair loss um, just from stress. I had severe symptoms of IBS. It was very difficult just sitting there being in a room. And I remember going out to kind of a breakout session. It was a training um, conference, and there were these two people there that were from more of a holistic type of training. It was about emotional well being and what's happening unconsciously. And I just, something really struck me, right? Something really hit home with what they were saying. And it was the very first time I said to a stranger or anyone for that matter, I'm really struggling with anxiety. And the release of those words, I felt so much shame. Mm -hmm. I was just, it was as if I had told somebody that I had like just done the most heinous crime Right, Right. is what it felt. Yeah, And that was the catalyst that really shifted things was saying something. And then you know, what is the next step from here? Mm-hmm. And, um, I've now ended up, you know, three years later, I'm a master NLP practitioner. I am certified with the American board of hypnotherapy. I work as a quantum change process practitioner, and uh, it's really my focus to deal with people who are, are working in fear, who don't even realize sometimes that fear has been a guiding force to the decisions that they're making at home and in their business.
0: So how did you find what path to go on after you left there and now you're moving on? Mm. You know, you've now almost, it's almost like going to confession. You've now just <laughs> opened up your heart and said, this is what I'm going through. Yeah. So, so then how do you go and you, you move on to all of these um, wonderful different disciplines that you're now learning and have learned?
1: Yeah, It's been one step at a time following breadcrumbs, I like to say, because Mm -hmm. sometimes the very first step, you have absolutely no idea that it's going to lead to this amazing thing a year or two or however long down the line. And it was more, I I kept saying to myself, I'm not doing any of these trainings or any of these courses to work with clients. It's for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I need this tool for me, this resource for me. And that was the thing that made the biggest amount of difference with my passion in life and how, and just feeling fulfillment was doing yes. something for me for probably really the first time in my life. It Did was you find me. it actually
0: felt like you were filling in gaps?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was quite astonishing. Sometimes the huge ahas that would happen that just felt like all of a sudden, where was that piece all this time? Right. Yeah. So then tell us, let's move
0: into then um, what it is that you are concentrating on and what has developed into a passion for you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So I I have been so super busy over the last uh, about year and a half now. I have two books that are uh, coming out that really speak to speaking up against things that people maybe have felt like they've been too ashamed to talk about. And let's, um, let's go no. back because you're bringing it up <laughs> yeah. like it's a little thing.
0: It's not a little <laughs> thing to have written two books. Um, mm. So let's go back then. Tell us about the first book. What's it called? And tell us yeah. a little bit about that and then move on. Because these are not small details. These are big achievements mm. that you've managed to do.
1: Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And uh, the, very, the first one is She's No Longer Silent. Which is a co authored book, and it's a collection of women who have come together to really speak uh, things that have never been uttered from their mouth before traumatic experiences and uh, really overcoming certain situations that have made them feel like they couldn't. Um, speak up for themselves and really traumatic events. Now, this book is definitely not for children. Yeah. It is very raw, very real. And uh, my chapter within this particular book is called "Fear: The Bottom Peter," and it speaks to some of my childhood and the things that had gone on there, and where it's helped me to grow from there. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm really super proud to be part of this collection. It is a gateway to talking more about the things that we really need to bring to the forefront in life at this point so that we don't have to feel any more alone that, you know, I've gone through this and nobody will understand and I need to be ashamed of this. I, you know, it's really important to be cutting out that dialogue from what our everyday thoughts are. And that's, and I think that that's what a lot of people feel um, when
0: they've gone through things in their life is that, you know, they feel like they're alone on an Island when they're not, because as soon as you start speaking about it, that's when you realize that there are so many other people who have gone through something similar. Um, How difficult I, I, I'm actually, no, I'm leading the question. So was (laughs) it difficult to write that chapter? Cause I can't imagine it was an easy thing to dig down and pull that out. Or is it something that's always there in front of you? And so it was easy to talk about.
1: Yeah. At, at the point where I actually put pen to paper, I think I had dealt with so much of the underlying emotion mm-hmm. that it it flowed out. Like it needed to just go right. And, uh, to be quite honest though, it's, it's been challenging throughout my family. I, Quite honestly, was told that I was not allowed to write about some of the things that I had intended to write about, mm-hmm. and that alone kind of gave me the fuel to say, "This is exactly why this book is needed." Right? You know, to be told that you cannot share what your truth is is the main reason why there's so much trauma to that truth.
0: No, but that would have put you in a very, very difficult situation. I imagine mentally, yeah. you know, emotionally. Because now you're being torn by do I tell my truth or do I listen to what everyone is telling me not to do?
1: Yeah. And the best way that I was able to navigate that feeling was am I being guided by fear? Is fear stopping me or telling me that this is what you need to do or not to do? Or do I know something else? Who's Mm -hmm. answering the questions here, me or fear? Right. That was every step of the way that uh, how I could get through writing. Amazing. So,
0: I imagine that book is doing very well because um, I think people would be very interested in reading about what other people have been through, so that they can. It'll resonate. You know, one story, two stories will resonate. What's what's gone on in other
1: people's lives. So mm-hmm. then, how did that lead to the second book that you wrote, and what's yeah. it called? So the second book is Home of the Soul, and it was something that came completely unexpected for me. I hadn't anticipated writing this. It's a very, very vulnerable book. Um, It is my solo book, so I'm the only author within this title, and it talks about the three years that were the dark night of the soul for me. The part that broke me and ultimately transformed me into who I am today, and how I've been able to look back over all of those breadcrumbs to see that they were all completely necessary for me to be where I am and to just really appreciate all of those moments and that struggle. And it's a pretty phenomenal story. It's written as a true story. I have had some really strange and interesting encounters that have happened um, throughout my life. And it's, it's a pretty phenomenal story. Oh, that's amazing. Um,
0: So tell us then in having written those two books, Bring us to where you are today.
1: Today, I am looking to do more for advocating. The biggest thing that is in my heart right now is helping others to realize that you don't have to feel like there is something wrong with you if there is something going on that doesn't feel good. Chances are somebody else is dealing with that. And if they're not, it's important for you to step up and be that person that maybe is for everyone else to follow. And um, I'm working on a few projects to advocate for, um, so Indigenous Women of Canada is really something that is near and dear to my heart for Mm -hmm. many reasons. I write about it within Home of the Soul. And I'm looking to put together some fundraising and advocacy programs this year to really tie into what's been happening globally as well. And uh, what a lot of people don't realize is The numbers are staggering for um, missing and murdered Indigenous women in Canada. And it's something that we need to really look at and Mm -hmm. understand why this is going under the radar.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. um, There are a lot of serious issues around Indigenous people and where they live and how they live and just what's going on within their society and the help that they do need. Yeah. Um, So that's that's wonderful that you are a proponent of that and you're moving forward and trying to give that a voice. Yeah. That's um, important. So what kind of message would you like to, to leave everyone with today, other than the fact that they should go out and buy your books mm-hmm. and read, because I think it may be something that would help them. But um, other than that, what other, what message would you like to sort of leave people with if, if there was something that, You know, when you have a platform and you really want people to understand something that was important to you that you wish maybe someone had told you earlier on.
1: Yeah. The biggest thing for me is that I felt always like I had something that was strange or weird about me. There was parts of me that I hid about my personality, things that were of interest to me, that I loved, that I had a unique ability for. That I hid because I thought that somebody else might judge me for that. You know, somebody else wouldn't understand. And, you know, if I can tell anyone something that will make a difference in your life today, it's to open up to who you truly are. If there's things that you feel you need to hide from someone, it's probably the most significant thing that would make change in your life is to look at what that thing is. And do you have beliefs and values that are around why you think that's something you need to hide? Or has there been a perspective that has been pushed on you about that from maybe society or family or, you know, a a group dynamic of some sort that if you were to open up your own thoughts about that particular trait, that you might actually feel quite differently if it was your own intake. Right. So just diving into that's wonderful.
0: That's, that's a really nice uh, point to leave with. And I just wanted to ask one last question. How important is it do you find um, for the kind of support circle around you? Did you feel that you needed a support circle as you were going through these things? Or did you feel that you were better off being more self reflective about everything?
1: I had imposed a self-isolation for many years uh, unintentionally. I thought that was how to protect myself. Mm. And looking back, I really needed more of a support system at the time. And it is so crucial now I was closed off to allowing people to even love me, I think for a long time. And it has made a big difference to just allow for the good people to come in when they're trying to really come in for you and to recognize that it's very important as to who you surround yourself, that energy, you know, it stays throughout the day, throughout yes. the weeks. Yeah. It's hugely important.
0: And you feed off the energy of the people mm-hmm. around you. So it's really important. I mean, I find at this point where I'm in my life, that the energy of those around me is so important because you have to conserve it. You know, you, the good energy needs to be conserved because I find that there's a lot of negative energy so if you can conserve a lot of your, your good energy, then it helps when you're encountering some of the negativity out there.
1: Absolutely, yeah, we only have so much of it, so hold it precious.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you could tell everyone again, the name of your books, um, your name, from the way that you say it, <laughs> the way that it should be said, and maybe you can even spell it for people, um, just so they get a really good sense of where they can find your books as well. And, um, and I think it might be, you know, a really good, some, some good summer reading if someone wants to, you know, start working through anything that they may be going through right now.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that. So I'm uh, Katie Romagnolo again, is how you say my name. And there's a bunch of funny letters that you don't need in there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, spelled K-A-D-Y-R-O-M-A-G-N-U-O-L-O. And uh, I use Katie Mindset Coach as, you know, really the short form. So my website, Katie Mindset Coach is uh, where you can find uh, the tabs to my books. They are on Amazon as well. So the first one is She's No Longer Silent. And the second is Home of the Soul. And again, they're on Amazon and my website. And um, my publisher is an amazing powerhouse of Uh, just so much amazing energy. And and, uh, she has uh, GBR, which is Goldenberg Road Publishing. We've got information on there as well. Wonderful. Well,
0: thank you for this. This is a a beautiful addition to what I normally do. And um, I wish you tons of luck moving forward. I don't doubt that you're going to achieve whatever you want. Thank you. When that mindset is exactly where it needs to be right now.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate you and everything you're doing out here as well.
0: Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you. And that's uh, another episode of Mindset Medicine, and I hope you tune in to the next one. Talk to you again soon.